Supporting middle leaders in schools. Guiding the senior leadership of tomorrow. And developing your successful career in education. This is EdgeCast from NAHT Edge. And if the need's been identified by the individual as something that will affect their teaching, improve their practice and impact on the outcomes of their learners, then it shouldn't really feel like something that they need to fit in. Welcome to a new year and a new episode. Kate Quigley, the NAHT's Head of Professional Development, will be here to scrutinise the role of continuing professional development. She'll answer all the pressing questions on the subject of CPD and how it can enhance your teaching career. Just before that two-part interview with Kate, please do subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. It's a great way to receive every episode. And naturally, you can hear them on SoundCloud too via nahtedge.org.uk forward slash news and views. You're with Edgecast. Well, the education-based news stories are here in a matter of minutes as we update you on various subjects, including the link between breakfast and pupil attainment. First, though, let's go to the Edgecast phone and Kate Quigley, who is Head of Professional Development at the NAHT. The subject is CPD, and I started by asking Kate, how has the remit for CPD changed in recent times? I'm not sure that the remit has. I think that the sector has changed and the requirements made and the budget provided has changed. These have both impacted on the ability of members to access CPD, but the remit of CPD is a constant. It's about examining your skills, knowledge and teaching practice, identifying gaps or places you'd like to develop and finding a method, activity or process that allows you to develop. So what would you say are the common misconceptions about this subject then? I think there's a wide range of misconceptions, but I think the most prolific currently is is the idea that CPD and the same CPD can be done to a whole workforce and be really effective. The inset days and training days that don't differentiate are adequate to ensure development for all people. There are also misconceptions about the amount of time and expertise it takes as a leader to develop a culture of ongoing learning in a school. It's really imperative that this culture involves everybody and engages middle leaders in the process, and that requires lots of planning and time. And there are also misconceptions about the purpose of CPD. The idea that CPD is about compliance training and dissemination and ensuring that all staff are aware of new regulations and guidance, which it isn't really. Let's just uh, future gaze, if we can, for a moment then, Kate. Where do you see the delivery platforms for it in the future? It's hard to predict the future. I'm not sure that any of us would have envisaged Twitter as a vehicle for accessing CPD two or three years ago. So it's really hard to think about platforms. But I do believe that whether there are further advances in technology and changes to school budgets or not, practitioners will always need a space to meet each other, to learn from each other and to continue to engage in their profession. They'll always need to ensure they have a mixture of reflection, analysis and research. And whatever the platform, the outcome must always be a positive impact on the teaching and learning of the children that work with. Now, we know from uh, producing this podcast for NHT Edge over a period of time, Kate, that middle leaders in particular cite this paucity of time when it comes to getting their job done. Uh, How can this possibly fit into their already hectic schedules? How can they fit CPD in, do you think? It's really hard for middle leaders. I think they have a very challenging role. But I think they can fit it in by not allowing it to be seen as an additional burden. So CPD that is effective has an impact. And it has an impact because it's meeting a need. 
And if the need's been identified by the individual as something that will affect their teaching, improve their practice, and impact on the outcomes of their learners, then it shouldn't really feel like something that they need to fit in. The structure of the school and the commitment to embedding CPD into the development of all staff must ensure that time for CPD is not seen as an add-on, but as part of being an effective leader and an effective teacher. Now, I think as we've already alluded to, there are different ways of delivering this CPD. How does NHT Edge know which form and style of CPD is the most effective? Well, what we do know is that individuals learn in a variety of ways and, and that the delivery of CPD isn't singular in its style. For some members, the most effective form of CPD may be peer observation. Others may find that inter-school collaboration is useful or reading a piece of research and reflecting on the evidence from that research and how it impacts on their practice. But what we do know is that there are certain characteristics that professional development has to have to be effective. And they include, but they're not exclusively, opportunities to practice and apply learning, being able to draw on robust evidence of changes in practice, and allowing participants to exercise a degree of choice in the formulation of their own CPD. So the barriers then to effective CPD, Kate, what are they? So externally, a lack of understanding of the need to provide funding and time for a continuum of professional development for all education staff is a barrier. At all career stages, CPD that's targeted to the needs of that stage should be prioritised. And with a declining role for local authorities in delivering CPD and increased pressure on school budgets, schools can struggle to secure good CPD for their staff and they're not always confident in securing external CPD or clear about the opportunities to develop it using in-house expertise or resources. Assessing the quality of provision is also a barrier. And the second part of this interview on CPD can be heard following the news, which we'll get to in just a moment. How much CPD should you do? And just what CPD does NAHT Edge have planned for middle leaders this year? Kate brings you all the relevant answers in part two. Make sure your Google Calendar or such is to hand shortly. The courses we're laying on will be explained before too long. And they come highly recommended. On iTunes and SoundCloud, this is the podcast of NAHT Edge. News and information from NAHT Edge. In this bulletin, what kind of breakfast equals success at school? Where are child sexual abuse victims most likely to turn? Poorer backgrounds and the question of mental health and how to bridge the gender divide. We start with news of a survey that further links a healthy breakfast with higher academic attainment. Children who are given good nutritional choices at breakfast time are twice as likely to do well in their end of primary school assessments as those who don't. Sweets, crisps and other unhealthy items, unsurprisingly, had no positive impact on a pupil's achievements. The research was conducted by Cardiff University and is said to offer the strongest evidence yet of links between aspects of what pupils eat and how well they do at school. That's according to Hannah Littlecott, who led the study. The groundbreaking results were published in the Public Health Nutrition Journal and can be seen at journals.cambridge.org. Child sexual abuse victims are most likely to turn to their teachers for help. That's according to a new report by the Children's Commissioner's Office. 
Schools were identified as the location where a child would most likely go to for help, and teachers and other school staff were identified as the professional in the best position to identify it, states the report. Recommendations include training and supporting teachers to understand the signs and symptoms of child sexual abuse and implementing a whole-school approach to child protection. This, says the report, would ensure teachers could not only spot the symptoms of abuse but also equip them with ways to respond effectively to disclosures of abuse. Next, it's the likelihood of mental health issues linked to poorer backgrounds. Researchers from UCL Institute of Education and Centre for Mental Health examining the mental health of 11-year-old children living in the UK have discovered that gender is a risk factor in the likelihood of issues such as hyperactivity, behavioural and wider peer and emotional problems presenting themselves in boys. Other factors include geography, with 11-year-olds in Scotland enjoying a significantly lower prevalence of hyperactivity and peer problems than those in the rest of the UK. White boys are more likely to suffer than any other group, and among girls, the at-risk group is those from mixed ethnic backgrounds. Dr Gutman, research director in the Department of Social Science, said socioeconomic differences are clearly a factor in mental health among children. There's also some evidence to suggest that this link between mental health and income has become more pronounced in recent years and has more of an impact on children than adults. And finally, boy-friendly teaching won't close the attainment gap between the sexes, so said Tim Oates of Cambridge Assessment. He believes the concept of teaching boys in a different way to girls is absolutely wrong and that strategies used by girls to get ahead work just as well for boys. Efforts to tackle gender differences needed to take a multifaceted approach, concluded Tim, beginning from birth and right through to adulthood. You have to take a life trajectory view. You have to look at it in terms of early identity formation, the development of preferences and the extent to which the education system goes with or challenges those preferences at a deep cognitive level as well as a social level, he said. There's evidence that minor differences in attainment or preference early in education can emerge as major differences later in life. With all the news on Edgecast, I'm John Peters. As middle leaders, you'll know the importance of making sure all children and young people get the most out of their time at school. You'll be used to supporting staff who are working with children with special educational needs and ensuring that provision is made to secure achievement for all. As ever, we want to make sure we help you to achieve this. NAHT Special Schools Specialist and Alternative Provision Conference from the 10th to the 11th of March 2016 in Leicestershire is a unique and popular event and this year's theme is Promoting Wellbeing for Children, Young People and Staff. The conference provides a range of workshops, keynote speakers and specialist debates spread over a day and a half, giving you plenty of time and scope for networking and learning. This year's keynote speakers include... Dr. Andrew Curran, a practicing paediatric neurologist and neurobiologist who's committed to using his extraordinary knowledge of the workings of the human brain to make a difference in the educational experience of all young people. David and Carrie Grant, judges and vocal coaches on BBC One's Fame Academy and keen campaigners for change in our healthcare system. And Mark Orlovsky, he describes himself as an innovator, sharer, inquisitor and luckmaker who borrowed and repaid nearly seven billion pounds and has designed and built schools he now works with students across the northern hemisphere there are also workshops on the new approach to funding send provision building emotional resilience and much more 
One delegate from last year's conference said, My attendance at this conference is a priority each year because it provides high-quality CPD, tailored to the needs of the SEND setting. Our members can attend this conference at a special discounted rate, so don't forget to add booking a place to your list of things to do this week. Simply visit naht.org.uk or contact the events team at events at naht.org.uk. Finally, each month we'll bring you a top tip to help you develop your practice. If you're working in a special school, NAHT Vice President Kim Johnson advises to connect and share by developing a professional link with your local special school to access their expertise and training in SEND and explore the opportunities for staff placements. Expert advice and the sharing of ideas. Edgecast. Do remember you can follow all our tweets at NAHT Edge. That's at NAHT Edge for our activity on Twitter. We're also, of course, on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Now, time to return to Kate Quigley, Head of Professional Development at the NAHT. Part two of our conversation about CPD begins with the question of how much CPD you should do. I mean, the answer to this really lies in something we've touched on already, in how much CPD is needed to meet the developmental objective that the person's identified. So an approach to CPD that just relies on an entitlement to a number of hours would really need the flexibility to accommodate and respond to individual needs. Each individual will need a different amount of CPD and a different type of CPD, and that will require a different time for each person. So why is it important then that middle leaders take time to engage in this continuing professional development, Kate? I think it's really important for all staff involved in education to engage in professional development. But as a middle leader, you're often stepping up to the challenge of your first leadership role and you're moving from being a peer to a leader of others and also managing up to the senior leadership team. Doing all of this in a changing policy landscape requires new skills such as planning a curriculum, knowing about performance-related pay and assessing without levels means there is a lot to learn and a lot to manage. And CPD is imperative in ensuring that you can develop those skills and find that knowledge so that you can undertake this really complex role. The DFE's Teachers Professional Development Expert Group recently called for evidence to feed into the creation of a new standard of teachers' professional development. It specifically asked for views on the types of professional development that work best and the culture and environment in schools that best support it. In your opinion, what is good CPD and what cultures and or environments help it to thrive and therefore be effective? We've already touched on on what the characteristics of effective professional development are, but I think the features of effective CPD mean that it must involve the whole team. It has to be impact-focused, and it really has to be tailored to specific need, and it needs to be collaborative and supportive. All school leaders have a role to play in ensuring that their staff can access high-quality professional development. The culture of the school must support and encourage ongoing learning. And I really think that in order to thrive, the use of inset days needs to be addressed. We need to ensure that school practice embeds a real understanding of the separation between development time and time used for management purposes. Both are necessary for schools, but it should be made clear that sharing information alone doesn't constitute quality CPD. An environment that understands this and utilises inset days fully will create a much better culture of staff development. Why does NHT Edge provide CPD courses for middle leaders? 
we provide CPD courses for middle leaders for a range of reasons, but the main reason really is so that we can provide quality professional development to our members and so that we can demonstrate the impact that engaging in quality training can have. We want our members to experience the type of CPD we think that they should be experiencing through their workplace and, and with the rest of their teams. So we want to demonstrate what that looks like and allow them to have an experience of that so they can take that away and then carry on with their continuum of development. So what does NAHT Edge provide specifically then? Well, we've got a range of courses for members on a variety of topics um, and they include effective middle leadership, first steps in leading teaching and learning and, and managing staff appraisals amongst other topics but what we also do is we also um, offer tailored training to a school or group of schools and um, where we'll discuss the needs of that school or that group of middle leaders um, and we'll work with them to provide a day that meets those development needs that have been specifically identified because as we said earlier it's really important that the first stage of professional development is understanding what you need and what you want and then we can work with that group to, to provide that to them. What has NAHT Edge got planned for its middle leaders this year? We're really pleased to announce our first middle leaders conference um, for NHT Edge. And there's going to be two conferences, one in um, Cardiff and one in London, on June the 21st and June the 23rd. And we're working in partnership with two great organisations, the Oxford University Press and the Teacher Development Trust. The conferences will focus on what we've been talking about, on effective CPD, what that is, what that looks like, how people can access it. And it will provide a range of workshops and keynote speakers, including sessions on coaching, collaborative leadership and fringe meetings run by um, practitioners and middle leaders where people can explore and demonstrate what they're doing well and try to learn from each other. Kate, great to talk to you. Thanks very much. Nice to talk to you too. And our thanks to Kate Quigley with some invigorating thoughts on continuing professional development next time on edgecast when the podcast returns in february we'll make sure you're in the picture when it comes to the issues that count for educators and middle leaders there's always a chance to interact with us on social media suggest a new feature or feedback and critique something we already do twitter facebook and linkedin is where to find us also, the next time you feel compelled to write a blog or even record an audio blog, we'd very much like to hear from you at blog at nehtedge.org.uk. It's always good to receive your content. That's blog at nehtedge.org.uk. See you in February. <laughs>